We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings PGA Championship Course Preview. The key stats, the picks, the research, everything you need to know about the year's second major. But I got some money to give to all of you. At least $500 cash is going in the prize pool. All you need to do, rate and review the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Subscribe to it, by the way. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave that five-star review. Say something nice about the show. Boom, you got ballots in the draw. Sub to the Mayo Media Newsletter on Substack. It's down in the description right now. Boom, there are five ballots into the draw. And then any time that you see any PGA Tour content, from at the PME on Twitter, or the Pat Mayo Facebook page, any of the social media accounts, you share that around, you retweet it, that is a ballot into the draw. Boom, we'll be announcing the winners with Tambo on Wednesday, and I have a feeling Tambo is going to add some more money into the kitty for some of the giveaways as well. So keep at it. If you've already done the reviews before, please do it again. It helps us out a ton. Share the love of the show, all completely free, coming at you. Things that are not free, what I'm using today to do the research, fantasynational.com. However, if you go to fantasynational.com slash mayo, you get 20% off. You want to give it a test drive. The weekly membership with that 20% discount is 8 bucks. If you're going full out to make DraftKings lineups using ownership percentages and betting on golf, you can probably afford the 8 bucks, right? To get some more research in, it makes everything very easy, very streamlined. Highly suggest that you do it. Other thing, play in the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League. Rake-free over $100,000 of rake-free money in the pool this week. That link is down in the description. Three max entry, $15 to play. No rake whatsoever. You can waste money on the Millionaire Maker. Sure, why don't you play in a contest that has no rake with fewer people in it that has extremely generous flat payouts. That's what you should be doing right now. But we are here to break down the year's second major. If you missed the player-by-player preview, shame on you. But you can go check that out after you watch that because I now want to dig in to Oak Hill. 
just outside of Rochester, New York, playing a shade under 7,400 yards to par 70. Because of the renovations that were done in 2019, gone are the POA that was infiltrating the putting surfaces. This is pure bent grass. The average green size, very small. 4,500 square feet. Uh, For some context, the Pebble Beach ones are like 3,900 square feet. The average PGA Tour size greens are 6,500 square feet. So well below the average of what guys are seeing week to week on the PGA Tour. Can't really speak to live because they have no stats on any of their courses, but I'm going to guess these are much smaller than those two. There are 78 bunkers in play, a lot of them redesigned in 2019, and there are six holes with water in play. Most of that is just a river that runs throughout the course that you you can find yourself rolling into, a.k.a. if you're Mito Pereira, last year at Southern Hills. That type of water is what we're going to be encountering this week. No big lakes, nothing like that, uh, as you can see on the course right now. Uh, The big thing of this week is going to be the renovation. It's going to be a lot of what people talk about and how it is going to be different than what we saw in 2013 when Jason Duffner won at minus 10. He was too clear of Jim Furyk that year. When you go scan the leaderboard, you see David Toms and Zach Johnson and Henrik Stenson. They were the fairway finders. I mean, historically, the greatest fairway finders that we've known over the past 20 years, they all seem to come to the very top of the leaderboard at Oak Hill in 2013. But since this renovation, it's going to be a little bit different. I mean, we've seen this will be the fourth PGA Championship at Oak Hill. There was a 1987, I think it was, Curtis Strange won the U.S. Open at this course, the 1995 Ryder Cup. It was originally a Donald Ross design, open for play in 1926. However, the renovations over that time really did not make it look anything like that original Ross design. That's what the renovations have done this time around, to restore it to what it was. And it's been known as a challenging layout, narrow fairways, fast, undulating greens. That's not really the case anymore. The undulating greens aren't necessarily a thing now that they've shrunk them down they're a bit flatter uh, than they were in the past the fairways have been widened slightly but they're still considered narrow by your week-to-week pga tour standards it features a mix of dog legs and bunkers and these water hazards that run throughout the fairways on some of the course on some of the holes well one third of the holes uh, if it's in play on six of them but this year's incarnation is just not going to resemble those grand scale events that you remember so when we're thinking about the skill set that we want, is it the Jason Duffner short hitting, find every fairway, great from 125 and in? Ditto with Jim Furyk. Basically, guys that played really well at Colonial and Heritage over their years? Maybe. Those guys are still going to be fine, but it doesn't seem to be isolated to just them. So here's what Golf Digest wrote about the remodeling that happened in 2019 on the East Course by Andrew Green. Green's work at Oak Hill changed its complexion entirely. He remodeled every green complex, fairway, landing zone to resurrect the original Ross character and spaciousness of the East Course that had been intentionally and unintentionally eradicated by 70 years of growth and architectural alteration. When Ross constructed the course in 1924 on mostly bare farmland, the property was already called Oak Hill, even though it already had a few trees. The holes were expansive with segmented, broad-shouldered greens and deep, scruffy bunkers. Those have returned. Green's renovation moved Oak Hill back towards this complexion, reclaiming fairway widths and throughout the removal of thousands of oaks, elms, maples, and other varietals, opening up 
sight lines across the property, unimaginable a decade ago when Jason Defner held off Jim Furyk during the last PGA Championship played here. Three new holes were also built, and Green found more than 200 yards of additional teeing spaces, bringing the championship distance to just shy of 7,400 yards. So... What we can take away from that is we have three new holes, so not everything is really going to match up from what we saw in 2013. And while the fairways have been widened minimally, they do remain quite narrow by the weekly PGA Tour standards. It's the removal of the trees that should really alter the strategy. In 2013, like I mentioned, it was Zach Johnson and Jason Duffner, Jim Furyk, David Toms, Henrik Stenson. You know, take your three wood off the tee, hit the fairway, be on your way. All those guys finished inside the top eight. Overall, 13 of the top 18 finishers gained strokes on the field in accuracy. And this isn't to downplay the importance of accuracy this week. I mean... You'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who will tell you at any course that missing the fairway makes things easier than finding it. That's not going to be the case. But with the removal of the 600 trees that primarily affect the play, there's now actually spots for you to miss on the grounds. It wasn't the rough that was so penal that if you missed the fairway, you had to hack it back out. It wasn't one of those courses, although the rough might be up this year as a protective measure, because we've seen that with the PGA Championship over the past half decade or so. They've gone out of their way to make these tournaments not necessarily U.S. Open-esque, but far more of a challenge than they had been in the past. It was the massive amount of wooded areas, the trees, that affected the path to the greens that caused so many problems. Think about it like, oh, based on the pictures that I've seen of it and re-watching the 2013 PGA Championship and the flyover that you're watching right now, the big difference is it kind of, it was a lot like heritage in a way, like a longer, more difficult Harbortown where, you know, sometimes you could be on the fairway in Harbortown and have a tree in your way and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, so you had to pick the proper angle to come in on. It does lead me to believe that this year, I'm not saying you want to do a winged foot bomb and gouge type strategy that Bryson and Matt Wolf pulled off at the U.S. Open three years ago, but you do have room to miss now and not be wildly encumbered by the trees in your sight line going to the green. It's going to make things very difficult because over half the shots on approach this week are going to be from beyond 200 yards. So if you're in the rough and you still have to navigate a tree or two, and these are all elevated putting surfaces, it's going to be hard to land the ball on these little tiny putting surfaces. Around the green is going to be pretty essential this week if you're not hitting all of the fairways and hitting all the greens, which no one is going to do. Last time around in 2013, only 56% of the field hit Greens and regulation. That was the average. That was 10 percentage points below the average PGA Tour event that we see in 2023. However, it could be even worse this time around. Maybe it's a little bit better. Maybe it's a little bit worse, but it's not going to be a green and regulation fest. There's going to be a couple players who pull that off immaculately, and they're not going to have to rely as much on their short game and their putting. Like you can have a player. I would just say if you're going to search by around the green and putting, if there's you have a player who's bad at both of them then you're going to be in a lot of trouble here because there's so many different runoff areas. And we can talk about Morikawa and Cam Young and Victor Hovland, essentially the three best players in the field, all great ball strikers, great drivers, everything like that. And maybe they can get away with it a lot of the time. But if they only hit, let's say, 65% of their greens of regulation, that's an awful lot of stress on your short game, considering these guys are also terrible putters at the same time. And that's not to say they can't have a great chipping week or a putting week. It just seems like the degree of difficulty is going to be raised on them 
versus your Justin Thomases, or even someone like Scotty Scheffler, who can't make a three-foot putt to save his life, maybe he ends up winning the Byron Nelson. I have no idea. I'm not from the future. If I was from the future, I would win far more golf bets than I do. Or maybe it's a cover. Maybe that's how I prove that I'm not from the future, is by losing so many golf bets that you know, I'm throwing you off the scent just a little bit. But he has an immaculate short game. He's Spieth-esque when it comes down to it. So I don't really worry about him getting it up and down because he can actually get it up. The getting it down part's a little bit trickier, but when you're Hovland or Cam Young, like the getting it up part, kind of difficult. The getting it down part over the past 24 rounds has been horrendous. The putting has been very, very bad, especially at the heritage for Hovland. He lost seven and a half strokes on the green there, so that's really skewing his numbers. But just to take a look at it over the past 24 rounds, notable players who you might consider using who are in the bottom 25% of this field in strokes gained around the green and strokes gained putting, Nick Hardy, Hovland, Davis Riley, Davis Thompson, the Davis connection, can't chip, can't putt, but your name is Davis, so you're probably all right to go. Kevin Kisner, Corey Connors, Colin Morikawa, Taylor Pendrith, and Cameron Young. Again, the talent can overcome a lot of it, especially if hitting fairways becomes so imperative. Out of all of those guys, you have Morikawa and Corey Connors, who do hit an abundance of fairways. It's just I really worry about their short games. And we've seen them have good short game weeks, especially Morikawa. Uh, just sometimes he'll gain a whole bunch from off the green. I mean, you might remember his chip-in at the PGA Championship two or three years ago now? Whenever the hell he won, chipped that in. That kind of ignited his final round to get himself going. But, I mean, if he misses that and it rolls him 20 feet past the pin, he's probably not making the comeback or tell you that much right now. So it's a tough scene where maybe they can have a good week. They can get themselves through. But if you put that much pressure because people are not hitting greens and regulation time over time over time, that, you know, one bad mishit around the green just could compound problems, much like we saw with... Colin Morikawa Kapalua in the first event of the year where everything was rolling. He had that like really bizarre sand save and he just kind of chunked it out of it and it came back down. And then what was was the next shot? Boom. He hits it over the green. I think he actually might have hit it back over the green again on the chip after that. Like you can really compound problems quickly and in a major championship. That's just going to be the end of you. Although it's really weird to think about. We saw an immaculate up and down from Cameron Young to uh, win Tambo $125,000 in the second round showdown at the PGA Championship last year, but it got him towards the end. It wasn't a problem for him. We've seen it with Colin Morikawa as well. The U.S. Open, the Masters, whatever it might be, he's played really well in major championships over time, and the short game really hasn't been a problem. So maybe it's not going to be a factor. Maybe I'm being too harsh on the skill set that he possesses, and yes, he can have a pretty good week potentially when it comes down to it, but it just worries me a lot, especially at his price point. When we go over to fantasynational.com, Right now, you can see the DraftKings pricing is out. We did the player-by-player with Kenny and Ben. We did not expect Colin Morikawa to come in as the fourth most expensive player at $10,300. So he's just going to be super low-owned. Just by by factor of that price, he's going to be incredibly low-owned. He doesn't necessarily have the skill set to match up to it. So you really need to think, can he have the best ball-striking week of anyone in the field? If he does that and putts admirably, he's going to be fine. But if all of those things don't go as planned, it could be a struggle bus week for him. So let's go to the course breakdown a little bit more in depth right now and take a look at what we're looking at in terms of the holes. Now, this is the scorecard from 2013. It's been updated a little bit. Um, We've updated the yardages and things like that. So not everything is going to play out exactly as it did, again, as I made reference to in 2013. But here's what we're looking at right now. There are four par threes on the course. 
204 yards is the average proximity. So when we sort by par threes, you're going to see there's the two really long ones. And this 214-yard one can play up to 230. The 226 can play up to 245. So they're going to be two of the more difficult holes on the course. And even to take a look at it, you see an 8.8 birdie percentage on hole number three, an 8 percent birdie percentage on number 13 the bogeyer worst rate both over 30 percent so you just have to tread water on these par threes until you get to number what is it yeah number i guess number six 175 yards i think i might be playing a little bit slower than there a little bit shorter than that this time around uh, but it did have a 16 percent birdie rate uh which was just less than the bogey or worse rate for it coming in but this i mean the, the par fives they're both super long they're going to both play over 600 yards this time so the you know the 570 the 598 they weren't getting there in two anyway at these distances they're most definitely not getting there in two with the average distance being 620 yards in 2023 uh, let's see, they're much longer than they were a decade ago, but the players are much longer too, although that's not really going to have that much of an advantage. They will probably remain the two easiest holes on the course. These are the birdie holes that you have to get. Both birdie rates over 20%, eagle rates both sub 1%, so unless it's a lucky chip-in, then you're not really going to be set up to make a ton of eagles. It's the par fours where everything really come into play. 12 of them on the course. 445 yards on average, but 180 yards separate the longest from the shortest. And the majority of them measure at least 460 yards, including the three closing holes of the course. You're going to have some longer irons coming in, some very difficult holes. Two of the three toughest holes on this course in 2013 were the two par fours to round out the back nine. So 17 and 18 were two of the three most difficult on the course. And then when we take a look at number 14, uh, it's the quote-unquote drivable par four. Now, it was a 23% birdie rate in 2013, a 0.1% eagle rate. So although it is a drivable, technically, par four, it's just not going to play that way because it's not especially drivable. There are three bunkers protecting the front of an elevated green and then runoff areas in every other direction in case you actually hit the green. So theoretically, I suppose, someone like Rory can sky a three wood at that distance and maybe get it to have the world's softest landing. But it's even doubtful. Many are going to even attempt to go at it knowing that you can get yourself plugged in a bunker, have yourself in a terrible runoff area. Whereas you could hit a wedge off the tee and probably just have a wedge into the green at the same time and have a little bit more control. Uh, well, it played as the easiest par four, like I mentioned. There was one eagle at this. So you can potentially chip it in, I suppose. But those are the eagle looks that you're most likely to have on number 14. Although the two par fives uh, and number 14. So 13 and 14 are places where you can get some strokes back. Number 16, uh, before you hit you know the toughest and third toughest hole on the course to close it out, is a spot where you can get some back to. Although that hole, it was 439 in 2013, is now 467. So it probably will not play as easy as we saw in the past. Let's take a look at what happened in 2013. We'll click on Jason Duffner as he was the winner. This is why Duff Daddy is going to be in our lives for the rest of our lives as we watch the PGA Championship. It hasn't been a good run for Jason Duffner. At least he was making cuts beforehand. But, you know, Heritage, Wells Fargo did not go as planned. We can click on the 2013 PGA. No strokes gained data, but what we can look at is he had this two-stroke victory over Jim Furyk, Stenson, Blix, Scott Piercy, and Adam Scott. Oh, at least good mojo for Adam Scott coming in. 
David Tom, Zach Johnson, Rory, Jason Day. And Rory, during COVID, he and his wife kind of hung around Oak Hill a lot. So he's got a lot of reps at this course. Looks like Dustin's going to win on live this weekend. So another you know, minus three for him was good for T8. Jason Day was up there as well. Roberto Castro, Malk, Warren, Boo Weekly. It's funny how much uh, these names kind of turn over as we get through uh, a decade in the past. Then you got Ricky Fowler, Hideki Matsuyama, and Keegan Bradley all finished inside the top 20. Uh, so that's uh, good mojo for them coming in. Paul Casey's like last man in the field. He did all right. Justin Rosen's out the top 35 as well. But here's what I want to take a look at. So let's go to fairways gained and distance gained. And you can see it's funny. Like Duffner, Furick, and Stenson all gained distance on the field. Probably because they gained on fairways on the field as well. Like the guys that you would expect to gain in distance. Adam Scott, Piercy, Rory, Jason Day, Mark Leishman. You know, they didn't hit fairways, but they didn't really need to. And you can see like... Zach Johnson actually gained a ton of distance at this uh, course back then, mainly because, you know, you get some rollout on the fairway. We'll take a look at the weather here in a second, getting firm and fast and being on your way. But greens regulation really went a long way to helping you sky up the leaderboards. You can see the greens regulation gained leaders. Molinari, Leishman, Duffner, Boo Weekly, Ricky Fowler, Furick, Piercy, Dustin Johnson. I mean, only one of those guys finished outside the top 20, and it was Molinari. If I had to guess... It's because dude couldn't make a putt because outside of one three-month stretch in 2018, 19, when the hell did he win his majors? Whenever it was. He was able to putt then. That was, that's been it for the rest of his career. Uh, Vijay Singh had a ton of greens regulation. Couldn't do anything. Of course, he putted himself out of the tournament as he is wont to do. Let's take a look at the weather very briefly and what it looks like this far out. And, you know, a lot of people have been, when Kenny kept bringing up, it's going to be a soft course, it's going to be a soft course, there has been a lot of rain in the area, so I doubt it's going to be bone dry, especially in the northeast at this time of the year, but you don't see a lot of rain, you see 1.1 millimeters, that's not inches, that's millimeters. Uh, talk to your girlfriend. She probably knows the difference between those when it's talking about you. Okay, pal? All right, give your head a shake. But that's overnight, a millimeter's nothing. Overnight on Tuesday, and then you have, you have some... It's pretty cold on Wednesday, 5 degrees, 11 degrees Celsius. Uh, that's not very hot whatsoever. We even see that on Tuesday morning. So I did want to bring up, uh, especially on Friday afternoon, you have the guys hitting the course like 11, 12, up to 22. That's the difference between like 50 and 70 uh, in terms of Fahrenheit. It's going to be when the guys get on the course, it's going to be gonna be 2 degrees at 5 a.m. on Thursday. That's like 45 degrees Fahrenheit. And it gets up to 15, which is like low 60s in the afternoon. So if you are playing showdown this week i would highly recommend to stack the afternoon guys in showdown i don't care about the wind it's the temperature the ball is just going to go farther in the afternoon it's going to be warmer guys are going to be more flexible and warmed up so thursday it doesn't look like there's that much wind but the discrepancy between the morning and the afternoon in terms of temperature is going to be huge just you know cutting through thicker Thicker air when it's cold out is just not going to... You might get an extra 15 yards in the morning or more off the tee based on those conditions. And then it looks like we have rain overnight into Friday, um, but it's not going to affect play as of right now, but you're going to get some better temperatures, although huge winds. An average of 16 essentially all day long with gusts up to 40 in some spots. It does look like the afternoon is going to be a little bit better in that regard, although it's not as cold in the morning on Friday. So early lean would have you say, hey, maybe p.m., a.m. as a wave stack is the way you want to go. I don't think it's going to you know, play that much uh, into what I'm thinking unless we do see a huge discrepancy because the wind does look like it's down a little bit Friday afternoon in the better conditions. So 
We'll see how that goes. Uh, rain completely overnight, so we'll see if it affects anything on Saturday morning. Hopefully it doesn't affect anything on Friday afternoon. We've tried to do two Cut Sweat live shows so far this season. Both rained out. Not great times, and I don't want to have to vamp for two and a half hours trying to fill the time. I might just cancel it this time around. Looks like we got some pretty nice conditions after it ends on Saturday, although the temperature is going to be frigid. A high of 14 Celsius, which I think is 57. It's going to be the high of the day. So, I uh, mean, call up your boy Shane Lowry. Guy loves some uh, frigid conditions. And even on Sunday, it's not looking like it's going to be all that nice either with a high of like 60 degrees. Jeez, rough week in Rochester. It's much nicer where I'm at, and I'm more north and more east. So I guess it's just a pocket here. Hopefully that all turns around, because I would like to... This course looks immaculate. I really want to see a really nice uh, PGA Championship come through, and a, a nice temperature would do wonders to making that happen. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Let's get to the field. Uh, obviously, the live guys are in the field this time around. There was a lot of contention about 
how guys were let into the field. I don't even know what the rhyme or reason was for it. I saw Phil complaining about it, that, like, Alex Smalley got into the field. I think Alex Smalley got into the field. Yeah, Alex Smalley got into the field, but, like, other guys who were on live who were right around the same world ranking didn't get in. I guess they're showing their biasy here, but either way. The cut line is top 70 in ties for the PGA Championship. It's the only tournament all year, I think. Don't quote me on that because the Open Championship might be top 70, but I do think it's top 65 there. I, For whatever reason, I come back to this. Since they changed the cut rules, got rid of the MDF, and cut it to top 65 in ties, I feel like the PGA Championship was the last bastion of all of that happening. <clears throat> However, it is worth noting it's a field of 156, so it's a full field. But at the bottom, you have all of these just random PGA Tour professionals. There's 20 of them in the field. So it's a lot like the Masters when you think about it as it comes to shaping your DraftKings lineups, if only where you have all of the old dudes. And I know that Freddie Couples made the cut this year. Freddie Couples was nowhere near a winning lineup. You didn't need him to do anything at the Masters. In fact, he actively hurt you with where he finished in terms of DraftKings scoring because he doesn't score. Like, if he gets by on pars, that's great and everything. Now, it's a little bit different because you don't expect the eagle percentage and birdie percentage at this PGA Championship to be very high. But, you know, you don't want to be using Ben Kern, okay? He's a PGA Tour professional. So there's like 25 guys here at the bottom, and that kind of translates into like John Daly. You're probably not going to use John Daly, although he'll make a birdie. Cuss will get all fired up. Like Y.E. Yang, although he's actually having a pretty good run in the PGA, whatever the PGA Champions Tour event is this week. I saw his name up on the leaderboard. Although Pablo Lazarabal did win on the DP World Tour like three weeks ago. He's only 6200 bucks. That's not terrible. But you can probably cross out everyone. I mean, Walker's been playing better posted basically $6,200 and down. There's no reason to play any of these guys. So that's how many of them. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Oh, Kenny Pigman. Uh, 20, let's call it 30 guys at the bottom of the DraftKings pricing this week. So let's just cross them off. Maybe best case, three of them make the cut. So let's just say 30 guys that we cross off. So now we have 120 six person field at top 70 top five or top 70 and ties so it makes a six to six percentage far less daunting this isn't the u.s open where it's top 60 in ties and it's a full field event now getting six to six through at the u.s open you know with one chalk bust is going to be the end of the world and the percentage is going to be like three percent at the u.s open i could see it being a little bit higher this time around Live guys that we see in the field. Uh, Brooks Kepka is the most expensive of the bunch at $10,100. I did not think that he would come in this high, but here we are. I know that people are gung-ho to go use him. I was very surprised by Cam Smith at $9,300. Uh, it hasn't been great on Live, but it hasn't been bad at the same time. And if this does come down to a scramble fest, because accuracy is a bit less important, we know that's a great situation for Cam Smith to be in. I think he's going to be wildly unpopular this week, because it looks like Dustin's going to win he's 88 I had no interest in Dustin coming into the week and I, I would be lying if I said that I didn't have some marginal more interest in him now that he's having a good run on the live tour but I think I just much prefer Cam Smith because I know Finau is going to be popular let's just go take a look at this fantasynational.com slash mayo uh, to get the real-time update so I gave out my core of the guys that I liked uh during the uh the show that I did with Kenny and Ben and just some of the guys that made that list from the top end. Uh, Xander, Thomas, Cam Smith. I really like Sungjae. I like Jason Day. Uh, where else? I like Sam Burns a lot. I like Fleetwood. 
Who else is on that list? Keegan Bradley, I love. Everyone's going to love Keegan Bradley, so he's for sure going to miss the cut. I love Ricky Fowler this week, too. I was actually surprised how much I liked him. And then we have, like, Woodland. Woodland is, like, the one punt that I'm going to take because the price point is really nice on Gary Woodland. Like, he also can't chip or putt, but the ball striking has been immaculate. Over the past 50 rounds, fourth in this field in ball striking, fifth off the tee, 13 in approach. It's pretty amazing. And he's even shown, like, over time, like, his chipping is really bad. Although he's gained in the past two, so that's, you know, something to write home about. Uh, losing three point, Getting better on the greens, too. Lost 7.4, then only 3.5. Look at that. Gained four at the RBC Heritage on Gary Woodland. So I'm taking the dive on Gary Woodland. I just think he's going to be all right this week. And someone mentioned Siwoo. I think that was... Kenny Kim, $7,100 is a very good price for Siwoo as well. Actually started to roll the putter a little bit this time around. And his it's funny because his short game, almost like his entire game, his short game, I think when you look at it over the past 50 rounds, is like not very good. So Siwoo, he's yeah 59th in the field. So he's just above field average. But when you see him and he's on his game, he's lights out around the green, chipping in, doing whatever. Kind of hope Scotty wins to give us a break on Rom a little bit, because I do like Rom the best of all these top-end guys. And I think that he just might be a bit too expensive for people to go on. So let's see what the early ownership projection says. I mean, people... Not a lot of people have generated yet. 14 people have generated lineups so far. So there's not enough in terms of fantasy national lineup generation to put you on the right path. But just see just preliminary calculated ownership at the moment based on the favorite percentage. Rom, Scotty, Fowler, Finau, Matthew, Fitzpatrick, top five. Xander, Sungjae, Keegan, Fleetwood, Neiman, another live guy at $7,900 coming in. I'm shocked Gooch isn't super high. Gooch is only at tracking at 9.5%. I wouldn't pay any attention to these. I just wanted to get a sense of early on where people are putting their clicks. Because we can just go by favorite percentage, too. Who are guys favoriting? And that's what the ownership percentage is essentially telling us at the moment because not enough people have generated lineups. See, people are clicking Brooks. People are clicking Thomas. I wonder who it is from the top that people are not clicking no one is clicking morikawa no one is clicking jordan spieth who's coming in with this wrist injury no idea what he is going to do like raza talked about it in terms of you know how do you game theory this through and this is a discussion i'm going to have more with tambo on wednesday is we we talked about it in two different ways depending on as tambo always says it's not who you play it's how you play them now if you start your teams off with justin thomas at ninety four hundred dollars i doubt very many people are going to do that because as you can see you know 63% 63% of people are clicking on both Rom and Chef are probably going to use at least one of those two. The contrarian play, at least right now, would look like it would be Rory. The ultra contrarian play would be Morikawa, but no one wants to do that. That just sounds like a waste of money at this point. So, I mean, you can if you use Colin Morikawa, you can take the five next chalkiest guys down the board if you want to. Uh, you don't have to pair him with Spieth and who else? Like, no one seems to be clicking on Shane Lowry all that much. Well, you don't need to play all three of them just to be contrarian. One will suffice between Morikawa and Spieth if that's the route that you want to go. Kind of surprised people aren't clicking on Cantlay. I actually like Cantlay a lot this week, although his like old school bunker problems are starting to resurface, which uh, I don't like at all. And it seems like very few people are clicking on Cam Smith from the top end too. So if you gave me a choice between Morikawa and Spieth 
and Cantley and Cam Smith. I like Cam Smith the best of those guys, and he's the cheapest, so that's great. So you're going to be able to build very balanced rosters if you want to. See, no one's clicking on Tom Kim down the list. Okay. I like Sam Burns this week. I would expect him to come in like max 10%. Uh, I think I might actually bet on Sam Burns to win as well. I just like the way that he's playing. Uh, and when I went and looked up carry distance, in case, you know, you have to fly a few bunkers out there, do whatever. Uh, he's probably a better bet than he is a DraftKings play, just because we know that he can actually go out and win events. Like, you don't have this many ones next to your name. That doesn't include the match play um, that he went through. I mean, you know, four wins, five, five, sorry, five wins in the past two years. It's pretty good. And he can really get the driver going and the approach going. We And we know he can go lights out putting. We just haven't seen it so far. And even on bank rest, we think of him as a Bermuda guy, but he won a Colonial a year ago on bent. Uh, beat Scotty Scheffler in that playoff. Played really well in the win that week too. Got himself back in contention. Had to wait around to go win in that playoff. But he's gaining almost 0.4 strokes per round on bent grass and coming off a week where he did not putt very well at Wells Fargo. I mean, marginally well. He did miss the cut. Lost almost a stroke over two rounds. That's that's not terrible, but you can see the driving has been very, very good. The approach play could be better. I'll throw that out there right now, but it hasn't really hampered him at all because the putting has been so good. The chipping has been so good and the driving has been so good. Like you don't need to be the world's best iron player in order to win. You just need to be reasonable if the rest of your game is really good. And that's what I'm seeing from Sam Burns at the moment. Who else do we have down in this field who's not going to be a very popular click? We look at it. Hideki is not. I bet you Hideki and Dustin get elevated a little bit more, especially depending on Hideki's finish at the Byron Nelson. Uh, Ditto for Hatton, who seems to be a bit more popular, but not substantially more. This does really seem to be a dead zone below Jason Day. So you have Dustin, Homa, Matsuyama, Hatton, Fitzpatrick's getting some love. Lowry, Burns, Thigala, Fleetwood will get love, Neiman will get love, and then you have Tom Kim, Corey Connors, Adam Scott, Taylor Moore. I like Taylor Moore as well. I think he rates out really well for this course, and he sneakily has been playing very well coming in. We just think about the win, but what has he done since the win? Well, since the win at Valspar, 39th the Masters in his first appearance, 11th at Heritage, 27th at Wells Fargo. Great ball striking performance, and the putter has been electric for Taylor Moore going through. Now, Bent is his worst putting surface. He just doesn't have a lot of reps on Bentgrass Greens. I think this is only the third Bentgrass tournament that we've seen so far this year, and I can assure you it correlates nothing with the Masters and those greens. So the only other one that we've seen is this week at the Byron Nelson, where basically no one is playing. So it's going to be a fresh look for a lot of people. Going through, Dietrich looks like he's blowing it over in Belgium. Uh, of note, too, Sungjae just won in Korea over the weekend. He's coming back to play in this PGA Championship. I do like Sungjae a lot, and I really hope that there is a prevailing narrative like, oh, he's too jet-lagged to do anything. I'm not concerned about that. Will it be a problem? Maybe. Should I be concerned? I guess is a better question. Maybe I should be more concerned than I am about it. But if I'm going to use him just because he's on a private jet from Korea to New York, like, whatever. People do the shit all the time. Let's build a model. Try to find out who we want to actively target this week. Reminder again to play in the listeners league. Link is down in the description. It's already 30% full as I'm recording this right now. So it's going to fill rather quickly. And the quicker it fills, honestly, in my mind, the better. Uh, as we go through everything. So that was TPC Byron Nelson. Let's build a new one for Oak Hill. Let's call this one Oak Hill. Custom model 77. Built a lot of these in my day. Oak Hill CC PGA Championship. Uh, 
before people start complaining about the live guys, how will the PGA let the live guys into the tournament? I thought they were not allowed to play. Uh, as a reminder, as I mentioned every single year, the PGA Championship is run by the PGA of America. The PGA of America is not the PGA Tour. You fuckwads, figure it the fuck out, okay? Sorry, just a lot of morons out there. Just, ah, da, da, just mouth breathers, all of them, just complete fucking morons. Anyway, hope it's not you who's listening, and if it is, maybe you know for the better right now. So let's go, you know, we're going to just basically filter out everything that we want in terms of all of our strokes gain metrics. We're going to go off the T, and then we're going to couple that with, I do think that uh, distance is probably, we're going to add both of them uh, at minimal percentage, or at least load them into the modeling just so we can see them side by side. I do think good drives gained. Um, is probably something to look at. Smaller green percentage, too. And we can go through all of these things when looking at it. So let's go driving distance, then fairways. And throw fairways gained into that mix. All right. And we'll put the weightings on these in a second. We're going to go strokes gained approach. Don't really care so much about opportunities gained this week. Just don't think there's going to be a whole lot of opportunities uh, to figure it out. So we'll take that in and we'll throw in greens and regulation. That really did, I mean... Obviously, if you hit a lot of greens, it's going to save you a lot of travel. You're not going to have to rely on your short game, da 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 But it is nice to see who, who is doing well on those as well. So let's go to 175 to 200 proximity and then 200 plus proximity. And a lot of these is just, again, to get a gauge, couple them together so I can see everything side by side. A lot of people do this differently. It's completely fine. Uh, again, if I was doing it so properly, I'd hit more winners. Part four is 400 to 500 yards. Short game. Let's throw in around the green. Stroke scan around the green. And I do actually want to throw in another proximity range in the off chance that we do see something a little bit similar to what we saw um, last time around where guys either have to hack it out or you know, they're just left short a lot, 75 to 100 yard proximity. Guys just are very good from that range. Uh, and even to take a look back at PGA Championship results, you know, nine of the top 12 finishers a year ago at Southern Hills finished uh, in the top of 75 to 100. We've seen that be a pretty common theme at the PGA Championship over the years. Why? I do not know. Uh, I guess it's because the rough has been thicker over the course of the past little bit. You do need to get it up and down from there in order to save yourself some strokes. I want to throw sand saves in here as well. Uh, you can put in bogey avoidance, you can put in good drive, any of that stuff just the bunkers here are you know told to be kind of difficult and then we're going to throw in two ranges of putting we're going to go five to ten and then ten to fifteen feet guys need to convert those for par or for birdie to keep themselves afloat now we have way too many stats in here but again a lot of it is just going to try to just for looks uh, so we can get a proper gauge and try to figure out some of the reason of why they're rating highly in some of these numbers. But you know approach is going to be worthwhile to go into so we're going to weight that at 25%. Let's call it 20 for right now. Give us a bit more wiggle room because we're going to go 5 and 5 on putting from both ranges, 5 to 10 and 10 to 15 feet. Okay, put those in around the green. I'm going to call that 15% this week. Uh, the 75 to 100, we'll call 5. Uh, 175 to 200, we'll call 5. And we'll call proximity 5 as well. Now, these all kind of go hand in hand with approach. That's why I weighted approach at 20% because these are all approach stats as well. Uh, then greens of regulation, I'm going to put it 10%. Again, I mean, that's 
Greens and regulation isn't necessarily an approach stat. I mean, at its core, it is. But it can be set up with a nice drive as well to allow you to hit more greens and regulation. It's going to be very difficult to hit a lot of greens and regulation if you're hitting from the rough every time. So distance, I'm going to put at 10%, 5% fairways gained. And we'll go 15% for off the tees. What do we have left? Sand saves, we'll put those in at 5. No, we don't have anything left to go through. Okay, so what do we need some percentage for? We'll drop down off the tee. Actually, you know what? We'll drop down distance. I'm going to get rid of fairways. I'm going to set that at 0. And we'll set off the tee at 15, distance at 15. We'll put sand saves at 5. And then we have the long par 4 range for what percentage do we have left? We have 100% applied now. 6%, I guess. I don't even know how that makes Oh, because we have off the tee at 14. All right, so off the tee, 14, and uh, par 4 is gained, 450 to 500 yards at 6. So let's take a look at the longer term results of this over the past 50 rounds and we'll shrink down the size as we go along just a little bit and again you can do all of this on your own at fantasynational.com fantasynational.com slash mayo will get you 20 percent off uh your membership doesn't matter the membership level you want to try it out for a week it means eight bucks there's a lot you can dig into here as we go through it so past 50 rounds rory tony rom xander scotty Sungjae, Windy C, Wyndham Clark, Patrick Cantlay, Joaquin Neiman. All of those stats are from God knows when, past 50 rounds. Good Lord. If we put in past 50 rounds from Neiman, that might go back to 2021 at this point, considering he went to the Live Tour. Like, the stats for the Live guys just aren't going to make sense. Uh, but the driving distance of the Masters was pretty good. The greens and regulation were not until the final day. Uh, it does go back to 2021's Houston Open. Okay. Fun stuff. So, yeah, the Live guys' stats don't mean shit. <laughs> like just go look at how they've been doing on live and try to piece it together from there it's more of a feel play for that actually trying to program it all in is very difficult this week if you have a lean for or against the live guys and i really don't like the guys that you think are good you can roll with them but i think that the masters may have overinflated how much people think that the live guys are actually good because you know the masters is a course history course a lot of these guys have played the masters dozens and dozens of times and obviously they're going to be good at the masters at a brand new course now we get to see a little bit of the separation again not to say that they're not going to play well they can finish one two three on the leaderboard then we have to reevaluate again but after what we saw last season and maybe that was just the initial input of hey i went to live i'm not playing a ton of competitive rounds my life is an absolute shambles right now i just got a hundred million dollars whatever it might be that maybe that affected them throughout the major season last year. Now they're a bit more comfortable and things will be a little bit better. I don't know. Gantley, Neiman, Homa, JT, Jason Day, Tommy Fleetwood, Mito, Nito, Mito, Pereira, another live guy, HV3, another live guy, Morikawa, Hatton, Lowry. So we look at the best long range par four players over this time. Homa, Cantley, Rory, Hatton, Finau, Rom Pendrith, who, like, sucks. I don't know how he's up there. Justin Thomas, Hayden Buck, who loves to fuck. Mad McNeely, Joaquin Neiman. Okay. Let's see who the best from in close. 75 to 100 is in terms of proximity. The Postmaster General, down $6,300. I have no idea what he's been up to. We used him a lot in the early part of the season. Still putting pretty well. Bent is his uh, preferred, not preferred, Bermuda is. But he's getting, you know, 0.2 of a stroke. Up there, the putting has come around a little bit. Just hasn't been good. It's top 10 at Valspar, 34th of the Masters, and both of his cuts since. So nothing great, nothing like we saw earlier on in the season from him. Post and Hoagie, Rory, Todd Father, 
Todd Father would be like the perfect pick if this was 2013 uh, at Oak Hill. It's just his skill set may not translate as well. Matt Wallace is really interesting because you know, there's rumblings. Wing foot could be in the mix uh, as something I don't necessarily see that myself, but you know, I'm an idiot, so he has a win this season. But Shinnecock might be one we can look back at. Or sorry, Beth Page Black uh, would be one that we could look back at where the PGA Championship was in 2019. Brooks Dustin won two, Cantley, Spieth, and then Matt Wallace also tied for third that week which is kind of hilarious to look at. Um, He has played very poorly so far this season in any elevated event. He's feasted on weak fields, uh, but he was great across the board. And frankly, he's pretty good across the board anyway uh, when we see him. Better on bent than Bermuda. Uh, The driving has resurfaced as becoming an issue. It wasn't an issue through this stretch. Seventh, first, 28th. Um, obviously we don't have the stats from Corrales, but I assume if he won, he drove the ball well, but it has been a fucking disaster beyond that. Wow. I don't know what's happened to his driver, but it's gotten progressively worse since Valero as well. So I guess he's going to be a cross off for me. Can't be driving the ball that shitty and go through Ryan Fox. And he's still playing over in Europe. Windy C steel live guy. So and Finau Henley. I mean, Henley's only good result this year, I think is at the masters, which is just mind boggling to think about. I guess he was 19th, at the heritage the last time we saw him. That's not so bad. Good across the board. Fourth, the masters and like 19th at the players. It was bad before that. Although he did have the win uh, in Mayakoba where they no longer play that tournament anymore. Uh, what else can we look at here? Proximity from beyond 200 yards. See, like that's why I want to put them next to each other. Who does both well? Woodland, first in 200, 13th in 175 to 200. Rom, Steele, Casey's good at both. Xander is good at both. Who else we have here? Rory, Varner, and Nick Hardy. Nick Hardy can't chip or putt though. He better be hitting all these greens of regulation. Cam Davis over the long term. Again, this is past 50 rounds. Still very good. Davis Riley, another can't chip, can't putt guy. Uh, terrible out of the sand as well. Good for you. Uh, Hovland is like kind of up there. Cam Young is up there as well. Another can't chip, can't putt guy. Shez Reavy, another can't chip, can't putt guy. Guess if you can't chip or can't putt, you're, uh, you're, you're long irons are just absolutely fantastic. Lowry actually sets up. Man, if Lowry could only putt, like I know I'm going to end up taking Lowry. I, I know this to be the case. Although he has a positive history on bent grass, but like the putter has been so bad, so bad. <laughs> For a while now, too. And, like, it's not like the iron play has been especially good recently. It was bad at Wells Fargo, I guess. But before that, it actually had been pretty good. You know, you always like him at harder course. I mentioned it could get, you know, a bit rainy on the weekend. It's going to be cold on the weekend. Those were some things that I would start to look at a little bit. Let's shrink down the sample size, though. Take only the past 24 rounds. See if that tells us anything differently. And we can take a, you can take a look at the rolling report as well. You go to sample size, you go to rolling report, and pick the stat that you want to load everything in uh, to get a sense of where guys are trending. I mean, we can do that uh, after this too and take a look at the let's see, take a look at kind of the same thing. Proximity 75 to 100. You know, a lot of the same names that are out there. Aaron Wise. Uh, Liv Lahiri, Liv Bryson, Liv Keimer. Those are all old stats. Uh, Chris Kirk pops up again. Homa and Hoagie are still there. Todd Father still at the top with Boston. Of the very best guys, who's the best? It's still Rory, but he's much worse. He's now 21st rather than third that he was. Hatton is very good from this range. Russell Henley is very good from this range. Cam Smith obviously is very good from this range historically. Uh, Hovland is pretty good. Finau is very good as well. Thirsty Lawrence. Hello. He's been bad on the Euro Tour. Can't even go to my boy Thirsty this week. Uh, Proximity 200 gained. Rom, Woodland, Finau, Varner, Hoagie. Okay. 
Yeah, it kind of rates out pretty well with what we saw at Pebble Beach that year when there was a U.S. Open. Uh, Neiman, Reeve, Dern, oh, the Burmista Mista lady, another guy I live. A lot of live guys, great at hitting them long irons. Hovland, Kitayama, Adam Scott. All right, Adam Scott, you're making, you're on the list, pal. Rory Cantley, Xander, Minwoo, Cam Young, Faden Cam Young, just going for it. Uh, Answer, another live guy. Rose has played these very well. Cam Davis, Casey, Taylor Moore, Keegan Bradley. Keegan Bradley, like, overall rates out 20th. He's not, like, bad at any one thing outside of sand and, like, really close putting. That shouldn't be, like, a super surprise to anyone thinking about it. Uh, Rahm is first and fourth in the two key proximity ranges. Woodland is second and second. It's craziness. Reavy is seventh and ninth. I don't know how that's a thing, but it is. Hovland, 10th and 21st. Like, the numbers will point to Hovland. We take a look at this. We kind of threw in, like, anti-Hovland numbers. That's why he rates out 22nd. But... Until you get within 50 yards of the green, he's very good. <laughs> very, very good. One of the better players in the field. I'm, I'm curious to see. I have no idea how Jordan Smith has been playing overseas. That's on me for not doing my due diligence, but this is the research show. So let's try to figure out what's going on with Jordan Smith. Jordan Smith is a very good player. Someone just, you know, if you play DraftKings Euro uh, or you watch the DP World Tour Picks and Bet show, someone that you can kind of get on board with. When was the last time he missed a cut at the Abu Dhabi Championship? 20th, 17th? No, no, sorry, he was in Thailand. Missed cut, 23rd, 24th, 6th, 32nd, 16th. I just, I find he's a good player. Uh, I like Jordan Smith. And I mean, I don't love that price. It's $6,800 at the same price as Brian Harmon, for example. Uh, but it's not the end of the world either. I don't hate it. Mullenix is going to rate out like, okay, uh, that, that's Tambo's guy, Trey Mullenix. But he has $6,400. I'm just, I don't think that I'm going to add Shane Lowry now before I'm not sitting here on Wednesday being like, do I want to use Shane Lowry? Of course I'm going to use Shane Lowry. It's just how I roll. I'm going to use Shane Lowry. One of my guys. Cost me so much money all the time. So, yeah, that's what we're looking at here. Let's try to take a look at some of these numbers from a different perspective, though. We don't necessarily need to build a mixed condition model in order to do this, but let's go to a place where, let's see here, if we can go to difficult scoring, uh, green speed, round number, rough length. Let's take difficult rounds and rerun this over the past 24 rounds. And see, we, we know this is going to play difficult. This is going to be a minus 25 winner here, probably minus 8, minus 9, minus 10, somewhere in that range like we've been seeing at PGA Championships. The past few PGA Championships, Thomas won at minus 5, Phil won at minus 6, Morikawa won at minus 13 during the COVID year, Brooks was minus 8, Brooks was at minus 16. So those are the past ones. So if we just put on what we consider difficult, scoring to par, boom. Take a look at this. Rory is the best. Rory Finau, Scheffler, Sungjae, Homa have been the best uh, in the key stats that we're looking at over the past 24 rounds on difficult courses. Casey, JT, Fleetwood, DJ, Wyndham Clark round at the top 10. Shane Lowry, of course. All my guys are here next. You got Shane Lowry, Rom, Burns, Cantlay, Spieth, Xander. Again, with Spieth, the injury is just going to be too terrifying for me to do. He's going to end up winning at like 2% ownership, and I'm going to feel like a moron not using him. But Day is inside the top 25. Woodland and Keegan are inside the top 30. I mean, Woodland's $7,100. pretty good. Mito's 7000 uh, obviously in this due to the fact that he played so well at the PGA Championship last year and gagged it on the very last hole. Steele, too. I have no idea how Steele was playing on Live Tour. Couldn't tell you. Um, I'll go look that up, and when I do my Live 
give deep dive a little, little bit later on. Gooch actually rates out pretty well. And obviously he went back to back on Liv. Uh, and he's been the center of a lot of this controversy about the U.S. Open. But it's interesting to see at harder courses he actually does play pretty well. Where's old Rick at? Old Ricky Flowers. 77th. Just take a look at Ricky's numbers here for a second uh, as a part of his lead-in form. Like, this is about as consistent as you can get. Uh, second at the Zozo, couldn't win CJ Cup to end last year. Then 54th in his first tournament at American Express. Not very good. 11th at Farmers. 10th in an elevated event in Phoenix. 20th elevated event at Riv. 31st at Arnold Palmer. Elevated event. Players, 13th elevated event. 10th in a non-elevated event. At Valero, elevated event at the Heritage, 15th elevated event at Wells Fargo, 14th. Like, these are really good numbers. And his driving distance has been way up. Although the fairways have been down a little bit, you can see the approach play has been spot on. He's been getting these great putting performances. And generally speaking, that the off the tee game has been pretty good. We know he's very good around the greens. Just tee to green, there are very few players right now who rate out as well. And we take a look at the putting splits. I mean, bent is his preferred putting surface. So... I don't know if Ricky's going to win or not. Probably not. But I think the stats lead you to say, like, he's actually a very good play this week. That's a place where I would be looking. So who else do we have here in terms of difficulty? How do we do on the the long approaches on difficult courses? Rom, Hovland, Woodland, DJ, Bryson, Steele, Hoagie, Scott, Casey. Okay. And then there's Gucci Man right up there. I got here. I think Cuss is going to pick Gucci to win. So I'm, I'm curious to see how this week turns out for him. Sand saves. Who's bad at sand saves? Who's like up near the top? Woodland and Rom and Xander. Oh, these are again all on difficult courses. So just trying to get a decent look at that. Um, okay, interesting to see. So yeah, there's a lot of different ways that you can slice it this week. Uh, this is what I'm going to stick with as my custom model. I'll add that into the newsletter once again. You get your ballots into the draw for that. You you can subscribe free in the newsletter. I'll probably send one out on. Uh, let's call it Sunday night, Monday morning, whenever I get around to doing it. But a lot of the information that you heard in the show is going to be reflected in cheater, cheater form in the newsletter. So I highly recommend that you go check that out, okay? And that'll do it on the Pat Mayo Experience Research Show. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we have shows coming at you for the PGA Championship. All the pregame you need, the showdown, recaps, everything of that nature on Mayo Media Network. So please subscribe to the podcast to get in those giveaways and the YouTube channel on Mayo Media Network right now. Smash the like while you're here as well. Highly recommend that you do the giveaways, fantasynational.com slash mayo for that 20% off and play in the listeners league completely rate free. Let's hit some winners this week. Let's win some money. All right. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Experience. Experience.